recording. So if you're just now starting this recording, uh, you've completely missed my entire introduction, so I apologize for that. Uh, basically, we're busy. We're too busy. <laughs> That's what you missed. Sorry, everyone that wasn't here and is listening now. But why do we feel this pressing need to fill our day up to the brim, to be so busy, to fill every single minute of seven days a week just so that we can feel productive. There's a man by the name of Kyle Kowalski. Um, I'm, I'm guessing he's probably Polish. Um, he's the author of this website called Slow with two W's, so S-L-O-W-W.co. And he has, there are seven hypotheses that he's come up with as to why it is that we in the Western society in the 21st century have made our lives so busy. And I believe for most of the seven, he's likely spot on, whether or not it's all seven for us, or maybe it's just a couple of them. And you see the first one, is that we use busyness as a badge of honor and of trendy status symbol. This is likely gonna be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Someone that makes a ton of money, more than any of us blue collar, just regular middle class folk would make. It's a status symbol. Or it's a glorification of busy to show our importance, our value, or our self-worth in a fast-paced society. Or busyness as job security. I know I'm guilty of that. It's an outward sign of productivity and company loyalty. We have this pressing need to show that we are loyal to the people that we work for. And so we put in the overtime, we put in the extra hours at the cost of ourselves, at the cost of our families. Or a term that I first heard about like 10 years ago, busyness as FOMO or fear of missing out. Again, I'm also guilty of that. Just this weekend, my sister came in town with her husband and newborn baby, and we were so busy. <laughs> so busy with catching up on Christmas stuff with them, busy of just hanging out, and I knew that I was going to be teaching today on Sabbath, and I'm a victim of my own FOMO. <laughs> I had a fear of missing out, of spending time with my niece Quinn, of my sister, her husband, of seeing my newest, I guess you can say bond. They're you know, both under the age of eight months, so how much can you know, two infants really bond? But missing out on seeing them bond and their relationship begin to grow, I had a fear of missing out on that. See, we've shifted from our habits of spending money on buying things to have it all with FOMO, it's now turned into do it all. We want the experiences. We don't want to miss out on what could be packing our calendars. And then we also live in the 21st century, so let's be honest, we're packing our social media with the look of it. Look what I've just done. Busyness 
as a byproduct of our digital age. We are 24-7 connected to culture, which is blurring the line between life and work, promoting multitasking, and never actually just turning off. Busyness as a time filler. In an age of just an abundance of choices of what we can do, we have infinite ways to fill our time, whether it's online or in person, instead of leaving idle moments as restorative white space. For some of us, maybe it's busyness as necessity. You can't be idle, you can't slow down, work multiple jobs just to make ends meet because we have to care for our children and for our homes. And then maybe for some of us, for some of us, we're busy because we just want to escape. We want to escape from the tough questions in life, from hardship, to just be busy so we can take our minds off of everything that we're trying to deal with. I'll come back to it later. I'm just too busy. See, all of these hypotheses have some element of truth to them. And maybe you've checked off three or four of them yourself. But I think there's something deeper also. There's a deeper, deeper level to it. And I'll be honest, it's not a fun one. But here's what I see. I see that the enemy the enemy has influenced culture far more than the Christian has in our day and age right now. And the sad reality and truth is that many Christians have actually bought into this lie of you have to be busy all the time. We've bought into this vision of the pace of our lives. We've bought into the expression of time is money. And so we've devoted more of our time into the pursuit of money. Or, as I will say, the three S's of stability, stature, and success. The reality is, is that we're not called to live in such a way. We've used uh, David, Pastor David referenced this verse, I believe it was last week. But Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is their spiritual worship. But it's also contingent on verse 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, I would argue 
that if we're living a life of extreme busyness, that we are not truly living our lives in the manner in which God has designed us to. I would argue that, in fact, we are doing the opposite. We have become conformed to the pattern and to the pace of this age. We've conformed to the age of busyness. And because of that, we have left very little room for the renewal of our mind. We've made ourselves so busy. If you've ever used the expression of, I'm just so busy, do you know what? I don't really have time to read a full chapter. So I'm just going to read one quick verse, and then I'm just going to go about my day. I'm too busy to have this space of time to sit and try to listen to what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to say to me. I'm so busy, X, Y, Z. Church, we have become conformed to the pattern of this world when it comes to how we are filling up our days. And because of that, this comes at a terrible cost. When we live a life that is so chaotically busy, it drastically reduces our ability to be a people who love God with all of their heart, all their soul, all their strength, and all their mind. And because we're too busy to give God our all like that, then we can't do the second part of his greatest commandment. We're too busy to love people in the way that he, in which he has called us to. I mean, just think about it. When you, as you are, are so exhausted because you have a laundry list of things that you have to do, what is your initial, just base, innate reaction to when something comes up? What's your base reaction? Is your reaction typically one of love, one of joy, one of peace, of patience, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Is that usually what you will default to when you're so busy and so exhausted? Or more oftentimes than not, is it usually going to be the complete opposite? I can speak for myself. Jess can speak for me. It's usually the opposite for me. You see, the hard truth is that it's really hard to love God when you're completely worn down. Because when we're tired, we're prone to sin. And there's even scientific data to help back that up. You know, scientists will tell us that a lack of sleep erodes the energy from which our prefrontal cortex, or the part of our brain that exercises impulse control. When we're tired, 
chemically, it reduces our ability to have self-control. And then we break. And we do what we don't want to do, as Paul says. I do what my flesh wants me to do. I don't do what it is that the Lord wants. And because when we're exhausted, it's hard to love God, it's just as hard to love people. Because as a general rule, tired people are not loving. (laughs) And I know for me, and again, Jess can attest to this, when I'm tired and I'm stressed and I'm burnt out, I'm a far more irritable and far less patient person. And then you add in being hangry, I am completely unrecognizable at all. It's like that whole concept of Smeagol and Golem when it comes to the ring. One moment, I'm okay, and then the next moment, my precious! The flip, it's a switch. When I'm burnt out and I'm tired, I just have nothing left, and then I'm hungry. Bad news bears. Bad news bears. So what are we to do in this current age of a life that is just hell-bent on being exhausted? Of running ourselves ragged and tired and exhausted? see, if we're going to break away from the pattern of this age of busyness in which the, the world promotes currently, then we need to do the opposite of what the world does. I know, simple, but really hard to start. Rather than adding more to your plate every single week and every single day, we need to take a little bit off. We need to take a little less off the plate. And thankfully, God has created a way for us to be able to strip away the shackles of busyness. Hi, baby. To walk away and step away from the vision in which the world and the enemy has for us. In this way, in this practice, is called Sabbath. You see, Sabbath has historically been understood as a day to rest. A day to cease from the demands of work, from toil and labor, to rest in the presence of our Creator. And we can even see that from the beginning of creation, in the creation account, in Genesis, that God has ingrained it into the rhythm and pattern that the world should be following. Of him working for six days and then resting, stopping on the seventh. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, 
and he had rested on the seventh day from all the work in which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from his work that he had done in creation. God has created this rhythm for us to follow, for us to mirror of devoting time, of working, working hard. It's not wrong to work hard. It's okay to work hard. What's not okay is to always be working hard every single minute of your day. And then not taking time to stop and just rest and recover. In this passage, there are actually two instances of the word rest. And in this chapter in Genesis 2, there are actually two different words in which the word rest is used. The first word is Shabbat, which I'm sure you can guess means Sabbath. And it means at its core to cease, to rest, and best of all, stop. We see that in verse 2 and 3, that he, that the Lord rested from all that he had done. He took a day to stop, rest, and delight in everything that he created from day 1 to 6. And then a few verses later, in 15, we see the other instance of the word rest being used. And it's the word of nuach, which means to dwell and settle. And this is in relation to when God places humankind, mankind, in the Garden of Eden. You see, God nuach, or settles, and dwells mankind on the sixth day in the Garden of Eden, and then he, the Creator, Shabbats. He stops, he rests, he delights in the presence of his creation, of everything that he had done. He dwells humankind, and then he stops and he rests with humankind. So why, for us in 21st century America, why should we find Sabbath so important? Well, if you don't think, you know, being too busy and being exhausted aren't good enough reasons for you, um, I have some more. You see, God has called us as his creation, as humankind, to be image bearers of him, to reflect who he is and what he's done, to be like him in the best ways that we can through the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're called to be his image bearers as best as we can, to reflect who he is and what he's done. And in the creation account, we see that God created humanity. And when he created humanity, he called us to fill and subdue and rule over the rest of God's creation on earth. 
So we know that we're supposed to work. We have a job to do, to fill, rule, and subdue the earth. Okay? It wasn't a free ticket ride to just lounge around and just be in, in our Creator's presence. There was a job. But then we're also then called to rest, just like God rested on the seventh day. He called us to work it, work the earth as his co-partners, but then also mirror what he did and stop and rest and delight in his presence. It's a calling that pertains both to the first six days of the week and then also that last day. You see, it's so important to God that we Sabbath, that we take time to just sit and rest, that he even commanded it in the Ten Commandments. And as Toby said a couple weeks ago, so appropriately, it's the one that we always brag about bypassing. But the thing is, if you, if you look at the Ten Commandments, and as John Mark Comer said, if you put the Ten Commandments in a pie chart, all right, so imagine the circle. Sabbath, or his command to rest in Sabbath, it's a total of four verses, and we'll look at it here in a second. But if you think about it in a pie chart, that's 30%, 37% of the commandments in which God has given us. 37% of it is about rest. And it's the longest commandment. So I think there's a little bit of importance to it. Maybe just a little bit. If we want to think analytically about that. But in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor. Again, this isn't a get out of work card. We're called to work. Do all your work. But on the seventh day is a day to Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And it's just fascinating to me boggles my mind that this is the one commandment that we will brag about breaking. That we'll brag about, oh, I just, I just worked three straight weeks. I was so productive. I made so much money. Fun fact, I did that once, and I ended up in the hospital. Jess can attest to it. I was working at AT&T down here in Salmon Creek. I worked 21 straight days because the company decided to schedule mandatory new employee training on the two days I happened to have off. My boss tried to go to bat for me, but the regional district manager, or whatever you want to call him, said, nope, it's mandatory, he's got to go. And I ended up in the hospital. Why do we brag about it? 
Why do we brag about not taking a break and just stopping? You know, in, in this commandment, the rest of the ten, a lot, you know, when you look at them, you see this thread of morality through all of them. You know, don't kill, don't covet someone else's house, wife. A lot of these were good moral objectives. But the commandment to Sabbath, it wasn't about morality. It was about for your benefit, for your rejuvenation. For his people to get a little rejuvenation, for his creation have some restoration. And we even see that when he commanded uh, with the, the Sabbath festival to take a year off every seventh year of working and tilling the land, it was for the rejuvenation of his planet. And that's why it's, just, it's so important for us to just stop and rest because when we're ragged and we're burned out, we are more prone to sin. And when we sin, we distance ourselves from the God that loves us, that loves us to the point of death on a cross. See, the thing is, our bodies, this flesh and bones that He created, they weren't created to sustain this lifestyle of all-out busyness. They weren't made to sustain a lifestyle that's just constantly going. Our bodies need rest to allow them to not only physically recover, because when we sleep, the cells in our body are trying to repair themselves and make the body whole and right as best as it can. I'm sorry, baby girl. It's also for our souls to recover. When we're so tired, we also become spiritually distant from our God. You know, in Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. See, in Jesus' time, the rulers, or the religious rulers of his day, had made it all about man having to be obedient to the Sabbath with a laundry list of rules and regulations of what you could and could not do. They were missing, in their time, the heart of what Sabbath was intended for. See, they were focusing on the rules of not doing anything at all, rather than focusing on the part of resting in the presence of their God. And similarly, in our time, see, we've completely missed the 
part of why God has called us to keep the Sabbath. We've missed his intent of why he created Sabbath. For us to rest in his presence. To sit at his feet and allow his Holy Spirit to rejuvenate us. By yes, not working. By not doing what is toiling for us. Wayne Mueller puts it this way. The Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement from some law-giving deity. You ought, you better, you must. You see, but rather it's a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded in the fabric of nature. It's a reminder of how things really are. The rhythmic dance of which we unavoidably belong. He created it as a rhythm for us to partake in, to be a part of. To mirror what he did, mirror who he was, mirror the practices, the disciplines in which he has walked. To enjoy his creation with him in his presence. Here's the truth. God has designed Sabbath to be for benefiting humanity. Both physically and spiritually. Not for a rule for you to follow, but for your benefit. For your good. For it to be a time to rest from the busy demands of life and work and for it to be a time to spiritually just rest and stop and be in his presence. Because we know in our current period of history, yeah, it's all too easy to be caught up in the sheer demands of the busyness of this life. The demands of your work, the demands of your life obligations, like raising a family, the demands of the yard that just never seems to stay in control, where you can insert whatever it is that's toiling for you, whatever it is that just feels like, gosh, I gotta do this again. The thing that just never ends, I gotta go back to it and do it again and again and again. It's way too easy to just go through that motion. But He created a way for us to be able to just stop. Because if we're continuing to do that, as we've mentioned before, it taxes us, us physically and it taxes us spiritually. And if most of us are being 100% honest with yourself, you're probably at the very dregs, the bottom of the barrel of what you can probably handle at the moment. Your fuel tank 
is probably tapped out if you aren't already practicing rest, practicing Sabbath. And the, but the good news is, is it, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to feel exhausted 24-7. Missy Takano, she wrote a blog post on the Bible Project. And they did a great video on Sabbath, but her blog post on, on this is just so good. Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity in God's presence. I'll say it again. Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity in God's presence. It's an act of regular and intentional trust in God's rule on earth. We Shabbat in order to walk. When we stop working for one day or 12 hours or 8 hours or 4 hours when we stop working for that time we can truly rest in God's presence. When we practice this purposeful pause, we make room for God to take up residence in our individual lives and our communities. And when we do this, we take part in a new creation story setting the stage for God to make His dwelling place once again on earth. It's all about giving the Holy Spirit room in our lives for Him to rejuvenate us, restore us, and to practice for Him to come and fully establish his rule and reign on the earth when he comes again. We get to practice that if we just stop and rest from the busy neck break pace of the 21st century Western world. When we Sabbath, we remember all the things that God has done. We're remembering that He is Creator, that He created rhythm for, this cre- for His creation. We remember that our identity is not found in how busy of a life you live. I'll say it again. Your identity is not in how busy of a life you live. But your identity is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember to be grateful to God for the life that he's given us and to find joy in the world that he created and his calling to cultivate with him to cultivate this earth 
for his return. As John Mark Comer puts it, the practice of Sabbath is a day of rest by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in all of our life. It's a practice by which we undergo a dramatic shift from restlessness to restfulness. That's a bit of a tongue twister. We go from a life of hurry to a life of peace. We go from just complete busyness to finally a life of having some margin. From a life of complete burnout to a life that has a sustainable pace. From a life that is full of noise to life that introduces some quiet. We go from being completely distracted because we have a laundry list of things that we have to do that never ends and we can take some time to then find some clarity as we sit in the presence of the Lord and allow Him to speak to our hearts and our souls and our minds to have clarity on our life. We go from a life of complete isolation from our church family, from the ones that love us, that want to see God's best for us. And we go into a life of solitude that is with the community of God. We go from crowds that tax us and drain us to community that fights for us and loves us fiercely. And finally, we go from grasping for just a semblance of peace and rest to a life of gratitude to everything that God has done. Ultimately, and as the worship team comes up, ultimately, we will have final, complete rest once Jesus returns. But as Missy, uh, I don't want to, Takano, don't want to mispronounce her name, as she pointed out, until he comes again, we can practice for when he comes to bring us final rest. By taking a day to Shabbat. Stop. Stop the busyness that you currently live in. And just take time to delight in who He is. To delight with members of your, your congregation, if that's what you want. To take time to get some rejuvenation by walking Beacon Rock or hiking up Beacon Rock. If that's something that gives you rejuvenation. To stop and just do things that bring you close into the presence of the Lord. Not things that make you so busy that you're now distracted again. And the great thing is, 
mindset in order to do that. I think you've seen the theme now. All you have to do is just stop. Just stop. This week, as you meet in your contending communities, some of you are probably thinking, okay, well, how do I do it? What are the things that I can do to finally just stop? And that's what the contending communities are going to be for. You're going to discuss it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to wrestle through it. In a space that is life-giving, incredible, safe. I know that's probably a trigger phrase for a lot of people. But it's a space where you can wrestle with this aspect of Sabbath. Because I know you've got a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of things that you have to accomplish. I get it. I've got three girls. It's never-ending tea parties and jail game and zombie game. If you're curious about what those games are, talk to me afterwards. It's basically just I throw them onto a bed and go and chase them again. But in our contending communities, we're going to discuss this. What are the things that you can do to stop and rest and Sabbath in the presence of the Lord? important thing is, is when we start this, let's first focus on just stopping. For 24, 12, 8, 4, whatever's going to work. I know a lot of us that have children, the idea of stopping for 24 hours is nigh impossible. I get it. We have things that we can do to try to work around it, to get a taste of his rest. Amen. So let's pray. And if you want to be a part of a contending community, I want to talk to you. I want to get you involved, to get you plugged in. Because we're not meant to live, to walk and live this life alone. That's what the church is for. To fight and love one another for what God has for you. And what God has for you is to stop and rest. So let's pray. Father, love that you are wise in all of your ways. That you are far more intelligent than I am. Because if I am left to my own devices, I will not stop until I'm dead. I will just go and go and go. Father, I am thankful and grateful that in your creation of everything, you put into creation a rhythm, 
a rhythm of work, yes, but then to stop and take a breath. Take a day to just sit and rest and allow your spirit to rejuvenate my soul, to allow my body to recuperate. You made a way when there was no way not only for my salvation and our salvation to be able to enter back into your presence, but you made a way with the rhythm of creation for us to not be completely exhausted. To not be completely burnt out. Father, may you help us. Break away from the pattern of this age. To no longer be conformed to the lifestyle of busyness that is within the 21st century Western world. That we don't have to mirror what the world is doing. That you've called us to do the complete opposite. Father, may we be a people of rest. Because when we're people that are rested, our capacity to love you and to love your people and your creation is actually attainable. It's finally doable. So Lord, I pray for every single person in here that as they were listening, they constantly had the thought of, yeah, but I am, insert the blank. Father, that they would just try it. That they would see this busyness just for the sake of busyness or stature or the fear of missing out or any of these those other seven hypotheses that they're able to break away from that and then the ultimate hypothesis the enemy influencing culture more than the Christian. As they rest, we can then begin to take that back. That we can influence and and cultivate culture and wrestle it away from the evil one and help point it back to you. let them try it let them get a taste of what your rest feels like and then may they never ever go back in your mighty name
is above all other names. The name that was there at the beginning of creation. That was a part of putting this rhythm of rest into creation. In the name of Jesus, I pray.